Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yo. Yo. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party. We bout to party. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down. Got that big space pump and make them bounce now. Flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. Hi everyone, it's time for another episode of AEW Unrestricted. We are the official underscore that, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. I'm here with my longtime close personal friend, and I'm serious about that, Aubrey Edwards. Hey, buddy. Hello. I just want to point out one of my favorite things about work is the first time I see you on Wednesday, and you're just kind of like running around doing your thing, and then just the pause and the smiles on both of our faces, and then just the hug. Yeah. And it's like one of my favorite parts of work is just like, oh, I saw Tony Schiavone today. Yeah. I agree with that uh, for many reasons, but one of the reasons is your hugs are like the best. Oh, yeah. It's a resume bullet point. Yeah. Your hugs are like <laughs> sincere, like grab you and hug you type thing. It's not like one of those, hi, You're like, which I appreciate. No, it's with intention. Yes. It, it's with intention. That's the word. It's with intention. <laughs> I like that. I've had a long time to master said hugs. So. Yeah. Trying to make them count. So we get together, obviously, uh, each and every week for uh, Dynamite slash Rampage. And we get together each and every week for this, our unrestricted podcast. Then we get together periodically for our uh, venture into Orlando Universal Studios. So Yes. uh, That just recently happened. Anyway, so we're, we're here to look back at some of the key moments of 2021. And can you believe it? And I'm going to be honest with you, I cannot that we're getting ready to go to 2022. I never thought we'd get out of 2020. And all of a sudden, 2021 is zoom, gone. Right. In my mind, we're still in 2020. Like, I still think I actually write it down incorrectly when I need to write down the year. And I'm like, because yeah. we're in that weird transition period where we're still in the pandemic, but we're not. But we're traveling again, which was kind of like the biggest change of 2021. Right. For me, we've moved on. But then at the same time, we're still stuck. It's weird. Yeah. It's a very weird place. But it's been a really exciting year for AEW. It has been a very exciting year for AEW, and it's been a great year to be an AEW fan. We are in our basically uh, second full year. We're going to celebrate uh, coming up in 2022, year three on Dynamite. But let's take a look at some of the highlights that you and I have uh, seen, witnessed, and been a part of. And obviously, the first one would be that Tony Khan was named a Booker and Promoter of the Year by the Wrestling Observer. It was an award that he really relished and an award that he really wanted, and I can see why. And one that, yeah, we work for him. This is the official AEW podcast, but one I think we would agree he really deserves. Absolutely. It's one of those seeing how All Elite Wrestling has sort of come in and made a statement in the wrestling business. To me, and I mean, clearly biased because the dude signs my checks. Right. But 
it just made sense that this was him. For everything that we've we've done as a company, for all of the new things we're introducing to wrestling, all of the amount of fans that have come back to wrestling, at the end of the day, it's all of us. We're all one team, but Tony's the one that brings us together. He's a good person, and, and that's why we like him. That's why we love him so much. Now, he is demanding to work for. He's not, at times, easy to work for, as anybody in his position should be. And I get it, but still, he deserved all these accolades because he's the one that puts together the show that comes up with the ideas. He obviously, and he allows, and you know this as well as anybody else, he allows the talent to have an input in what they, what their character is all about. And I think that is so vital. To me, that's old school. No writers, no scripters. You come up with your own promo and you come up with uh, some of what you think should be your storyline. And he allows you to do that. And he combines all that into a TV show. To me, that's a sign of a guy who knows what he's doing. Absolutely. I think that's, he's changed a little bit what Booker, I think, for a large company means, just because it's a matter of, he's a true leader. He's bringing people together who are very good at their craft and allowing them to be expressive and be themselves. We talk about it all the time on this podcast with the various talent we bring in, but the fans feel that. The fans know that we believe what it is we're doing and we believe in the product that we're presenting on TV. And it's just, I mean, it all starts at the top and I feel bad having not bought Tony a uh, world's greatest boss coffee mug yet, Mm. but I think he'd have like 20 billion of them at this point with the amount of people that love him. Obviously I, uh, I get to go backstage a little bit during dynamite to do, to do interviews backstage, but normally I don't see what's going on at the quote-unquote go the gorilla or the Tony Khan position as we now know it. But I have witnessed, which is very entertaining, his sprint to the bathroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it's like, move, gone. Yeah, it's tremendous. He's running through with his audio pack, trying to like not drop it as he's bolting just so he can come back before we're back from break. I know. Very impressive. Not everyone has that level of cardio. Yeah. So I would say, even though this is something that started at in 2020 at Winter is Coming when Kenny won the title, left the venue with Don Callis and all of a sudden mentioned Impact Wrestling. Like, I think the big thing with 2021 was the opening of the Forbidden Door and Tony Khan himself saying that he's the Forbidden Door and just kind of what it's done for wrestling and how these companies have come together now and have worked together. And I know from my perspective, it's been great because I'm working with talent that I never thought I'd have the opportunity to work with. Like when you sign at a company, you're just like, okay, well, I get to work with people that are hired by AEW, but that's never the case anymore. Right. For both an employee and a fan, it's keeping all of us kind of on our toes because you never truly know what to expect every Wednesday. You and I have both been involved in it closely because we both have gone to Nashville when Tony had his deal with uh, Impact Wrestling. And I'm saying this as a AEW employee. I think he did a lot for Impact Wrestling. Oh, absolutely. To give them exposure on a national level. I was really un- unsure about it at first. And everybody thought, oh, Tony is buying Impact Wrestling. That was not the case at all. And the fact is that he he and I used to do those on Impact, those stand-up interviews on Impact, where he would talk about buying time on Impact Wrestling. And there was one he said, it's us against them. And I think you know who them is. And without expanding on it here, what that told me was that Tony realized that there's a lot of promotions out there. I mean, we've had the NWA Women's Champion on our show. Mm -hmm. We've had the Impact Champion on our show. We've had 
the Impact Tag Team Champions. We have had a New Japan Pro Wrestling United States Champion on our show. We have seen uh, Suzuki Ishii on our show. As you're right, Aubrey, the Forbidden Door has been, as they say, kicked open. And it's because there's more than just us. There are all these promotions that fans follow on the internet and know and appreciate us collaborating with them, right? I think it also is, it's a great way to present what I think AEW did a lot for wrestling in this past two years or so that we've been on TV is introducing fans to different companies introduces fans to different types of wrestling. And it also helps build up our own talent because we don't shy away from talking about people's histories. If they've built their history on the indies or another company, like we recognize that and we promote that because everything you've done before you got to AEW is, is important to your growth as a wrestler, to your character, to who you are and your credibility as a competitor. I think introducing fans to all of these other companies has helped us in a way because it's definitely made our talent that much more important because it's like, look what this person did over there. Oh, look what they're doing over there. We have no barriers and we could just go and do whatever we want. It feels like that at least. Like, obviously that's not the case, but it's great because I think it just, it highlights all of the exceptional talent that we have at AEW, whether it's you know, at our own venue or another person's venue. It just helps us all. I think it's great. And, and one of the things that we have done and one of the things that we appreciate and one of the things that excites us, not only as referee and announcer, but also as fans of wrestling, is the debuts of, of many uh, new talent. You always got to have new, fresh talent come in. And by golly, 2021 really ushered in some new talent. Paul White arrived in February. We had Christian Cage arrive during Revolution. Mm-hmm. We also had during Double or Nothing, Leo Rush, Mark Henry show up. We've had Brian Danielson. We have had uh, Adam Cole, and obviously we'd have had CM Punk. But uh, another way the Forbidden Door has been open with brand new talent coming in. It's and it's been exciting to be a part of seeing new talent arrive here in AEW. Even though. We do expect more and hope to see more. We're, we're excited about what we have, right? I like every time we hire someone new, because I'm like, oh, look, I have a new friend. <laughs> I've started, we, we talked about it a lot in our last like Shoot the Shit style episode, but to know that CM Punk was the guy that got me into wrestling, Brian Danielson is one of my favorite wrestlers, and now like I have hockey heat with CM Punk because I just trash talk the Blackhawks and he trash talks the Kraken. And this is just a thing that we do now. Right. Like hanging out with Paul White backstage and hearing Mark Henry uh, tell funny stories and all these things. It, it just, it helps our brand and our reputation grow so much when we have these guys who are industry legends coming to our company. It not only makes us better as performers, having all of this different experience that we can draw from and all these different mindsets, but I think it just, it helps our family grow and we continue to feel that family vibe and that we're all in it together. And I mean, it's just so great. It's so great. So uh, in March, uh, Shaquille O'Neal had his match. <laughs> that was so great. <laughs> wasn't it? Wasn't it great? Didn't he do a great job? I remember all of us were gathered by the TV in the viewing section and we're all just kind of like, you know, standing around like, how is this going to go? And he gets in the ring and just kind of like starts circling 
and locks up. And there's just this giant roar from the talent because we're like, oh my God, this is actually going to happen. This is great. Because in that moment, you can tell that he's put the effort in. Right. And I think we've seen that a lot with celebrities getting involved in wrestling in the past is that wrestling is very hard. He did an excellent job, but when Snoop Dogg did the splash, I mean, he's not a wrestler. And doing a splash onto someone else is a very difficult thing. So seeing Shaq come into the ring and immediately lock up and all of the things he went through the table, like he had all of these amazing like moves and all this. It's like he had really respected the business and respected the craft to train enough to help Jade have an amazing debut, mm-hmm. to help Cody and Velvet, you know, continue their storyline. It's it was so excellent and so surprising to watch and i was so happy as a fan to see us take something like this seriously because we've seen celebrities integrated in stories before but this was just like oh this is a big deal and we're treating it seriously and people are treating aew seriously yeah i loved it we use the term backstage a lot mark out oh 100 yeah when i first i uh, had a chance to do that interview with with shack and brandy where she threw the water in shack's face in a sit down <laughs> That was the first time I met Shaq, and to be honest with you, I marked out for him because we're not only talking about an NBA legend, a Hall of Famer, but we are also talking about one of the most visible celebrities out there still today. How many things does he pitch, right? I mean, he's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it was a big deal, and a big deal for us to have someone like him. Not only that, someone like him who, who obviously took it, as you said, took it seriously. I was so thrilled that I was able to stick my head into the ambulance and see that Shaq had disappeared. (laughs) He wasn't there. And where did he go? Well, he's back on NBA TV, so I guess he did not uh, evaporate into the vapors. Nope. I was glad to be a part of that. I really was. It was was a lot of fun. Okay, so we had, uh, had postponed a big match because of the pandemic, and finally, May, we had that big match, and Aubrey Edwards was a part of it, that we'll talk about, we continue on AEW Unrestricted. This is AEW Unrestricted. Aubrey and Tony sitting around, chit-chatting about our favorite moments of 2021. And there were a lot of them. We didn't even start hitting the road again until July. We'll, we'll definitely get to that. Right. I think we're still on March. Like, this is crazy how incredibly jam-packed this year was. But... Right before the pandemic hit, we had advertised we wanted to do blood and guts. Two cages, two rings, massive 10-man match, and it didn't happen. We were all sad and because we all wanted this, but you know, knowing Tony, we were going to get to it one day. And we finally had that opportunity in May on Dynamite. It was absolutely insane. And I cannot, as someone who was refing that match, I cannot tell you how difficult it was to manage that match. It was probably one of the most difficult times I've had doing a match because I can't get in there with the guys and tell them like where we're at or where we're going or where we are in commercial. Right. And I'm trying to not get caught on camera. I'm trying not to be heard, but I'm literally yelling at time cues to guys 20 feet away, right. hoping that they hear me because we've got this massive match that's the main event. And the main event is always the most stressful part of Dynamite because who knows, like you have to be off the air at a certain time and you're relying on the wrestlers to make sure that they hit those times. And and then at one point, Bryce takes a bump because Tully just takes him out. 
And now I have to manage two cages and two rings. It was the most stressful I've ever had in my life. I ripped my shirt. It was great. (laughs) It was a memorable night. There's no question that all the guys who worked that match, as we say, busted their ass to give us a great match. And it it was a memorable night. One thing that, that fans, I don't know if they realize this or not, but I realize this. You guys, and I'm saying you guys as referees, are very important to help the timing of the show. But there's another very key element to what you do aside from what you do in the ring. And that is you keep in communication with wrestlers and backstage and the doctor about if the wrestler can continue or not, if the wrestler has been hurt. Mm -hmm. Now that double cage saw a lot of potential to be hurt, but you were really unable to get to them to crawl into them to say, are you okay? Right. That made it difficult. There's always that, (laughs) <laughs> you're always asking through the cage like hey you okay and they say yeah sure they do. but you're wondering like <laughs> it's like are you saying yeah because you just want to keep going or are you saying yeah because you're actually fine right and i trust the boys but very protective referees are the first line of defense when it comes to medical issues in the ring so it's definitely on top of just the stress of managing a television show in a match format like that right making sure that my friends are okay because clearly there's a bunch of people bleeding cash wheeler was bleeding all over the place <laughs> i think it looked worse because the pentacles gear was all white and i'm like oh this is this is gonna be bad this is gonna be real bad and then jericho falls off the cage yeah oh my god it was so it was terrifying because I'm just watching where his head falls. I'm like, is he going to hit the platform? Is he going to die? Right. <laughs> he has a cruise later this year. Is he going to still be alive? <laughs> right. I know there's a lot of talk online about, oh, he was on a crash pad. And yeah, well, freaking duh, number one. And number two, it was still a big fall. doesn't matter what was below him there. So for all of those of you who criticize that, no, I'm not going to say it. But I feel it. <laughs> and you know I feel it. Okay, so... Prior to that, you mentioned the Pinnacle. They had uh, formed with MJF and and obviously Tully Blanchard at the helm and FTR and Sean Spears and Wardlow and a great faction. And of course, that led to the Blood and Guts cage match uh, that we saw in May. Now, we move on uh, later in May to Double or Nothing. Oh. Uh, that was a special night because that was the night that we had the return to full capacity and crowds came in full, and you could tell that night that fans were ready to get back into the arena and cheer. And the reason I know is that early in the night, I guess before we started, when Bryce Remsburg came to the ring, they popped for Bryce. Oh, yeah. As if to say, oh, my God, we're going to see wrestling live again. Oh, it was so great. It was a memorable night, and and wrestlers who had not wrestled in front of crowds like this because they had joined us from smaller promotions, right, and had not seen big crowds during the pandemic. It was an unforgettable night, and I'm going to say, for many reasons, obviously, my buddy Dr. Britt Baker won the women's world title that night, so that was special for me. And uh, number two, but number two was the reaction of the crowd is something we'll never forget after all this long time of being without big crowds. I remember, I think we were calling the Battle Royal as the pre-show was starting, which was Serena Deeb and Riho. We're in like the little practice facility at Daly's Place where the Jaguars train. We're just all chit-chatting and whatnot. And then we hear the crowd. I think all of us are in the middle of discussing like who's going out, blah, blah, blah. And we all just stop and listen. And it's that moment of, oh, man, 
this is big. Because we knew at that point we were going to get back on the road in July. And that was sort of like the end of the Jacksonville era, even though we had another month and whatnot. But it was just like feeling it in that moment was a major turning point. Right. Of this is where we were before. We remember this now. Because as you said, there were so many people that we hired during the Jacksonville era. And had never been in front of a crowd that big yeah. and had never been on the road before, which uh, I mean, when we finally get to touring again, like that's, that was, I think one of the major changes of just like, Oh snap, like there's fans everywhere. There's fans that are very into AEW. Right. I just remember the goosebumps and trying to not cry. My husband was in the crowd for double or nothing. And he texts me right before the match. He's like, I think I'm getting emotional hmm. because it was such like a huge moment. And so many of us hadn't been in a crowd of people in a very long time that it was, I think everybody felt it, whether you were in the back or in the crowd. It was, it was magical. I, I, I really was thinking about you guys who go out in the ring and perform about how things have changed and how the communication is going to be a little bit different. And mm-hmm. it's just, it was a special moment for me, but it was a special moment for me seeing, oh, you younger bucks. <laughs> Uh, going out and, and being a part of a big crowd, it really made me feel great. So we do return to the road on July 7th in Miami. Malachi Black makes his debut, another great debut. We, you know, I forgot to mention that Ethan Page had made his debut during the pandemic as well, and he was uh, now a part of us. So we had some, some great debuts. So uh, how was it backstage knowing that, well, we're back, we're on the road again, how was the feeling backstage? I think it was mixed depending on when you joined AEW because we had actually been to that venue before. Right. So I know for me, and I, I don't want to speak for all of the other talent, but it just felt like when you just get back on the bicycle. Right. Because now we're at another venue. Okay, this is how things work. But all of a sudden, I don't want to say we got comfortable at Daly's place, but you sort of had an idea of where everything was. Like, oh, medical's over here, and the dressing room's over here, and yeah. production's over here. And then all of a sudden, you get to a new venue, that's, and the Miami one, there's so many floors, and the elevator is slow, so you're going up and down stairs constantly, and you're just like, where's catering? Right. I'm so hungry. Where the hell is catering? Oh, it's like three floors away from the dressing room. Okay. So you're suddenly having to plan your whole day around the fact of like, well, I need to go here, but that's so far away and I only have so much time. So I'm going to go here. Where the hell is Sandra? Like, <laughs> Right. It was so chaotic. And I think for the people that had been hired during the Daily's Place era, it was so fascinating to just see like everything just feels different. I think coming back to Jacksonville in August it almost felt like a little bit like Groundhog Day. Like, oh, this is what we did every every week. Right. This is wild. I know in that moment, I appreciated being back on the road even more. I'm like, oh, I love exploring different cities and restaurants and <laughs> going to different airports. Yeah. Finally, is such a huge thing. And not flying into the Jacksonville airport, I'm just like, oh my God, like little things I appreciate. Yeah. Staying in different hotels and going to different hotel gyms. Like it's just... Not even just the different venues. There's so many little aspects of my day that are so different now. Right. Because we're on the road and I just appreciate it even more than I already did. Oh, it's it's great. Jacksonville was, you, you're right, there was a comfort level. When we first started there, I think I've made this point before on a previous podcast. There was a comfort level to Jacksonville that at first we're going, God, we got to come back here again. And here we are again. Or we're coming back every two weeks. And but then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, this is home. And we had an announcer room in the back that we all could hang out and 
we knew where everything was, like you said. And then when we found out we were leaving, there was a little bit of me that thought, man, I'm going to miss that old place. That's home. Yeah. Daly's place is home, and the dynamic is so much different. And you're right about the travel, going to the different airports. And, you know, one great thing about our job is, had been prior to the pandemic and, and now afterwards, is being able to see the country. Now, yes. basically, the only part of the country we really see is the hotel, the gym, the venue, and the airport. That's about it. Maybe a restaurant or two, but we got catering. So sometimes I don't even really go to restaurants when we're on the road. So that's about all we see. But it is the dynamic of going to different places and seeing different fans and seeing fans appreciate what we're doing. So that all was really, really cool. Or it has been really, really cool. And and I think we're very, very excited about it. Now, we debuted in August Rampage. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been easy. It has no. It has. It hasn't been easy no. because it used to be like dynamite is over, Woo. Mm-hmm. and let's regroup for the next show. But not anymore because we got a one-hour rampage we got to do. And it's so weird, like getting back in the routine of okay, we travel Tuesday and Thursday, and we've got a show Wednesday. But even then, we've done so many fun live rampages like we had the the very first rampage was live and then we had the second one at the united center where cm punk debuted like that one was live and we do live rampages before the pay-per-views that my weeks are so crazy now like oh i've literally been home for a day and a half before i have to fly out again (laughs) right and it's this crazy jet setter lifestyle but it kind of makes me appreciate when we do Rampage on Wednesdays that much more, because even though we have that mindset change of, okay, Dynamite's done, time to switch into the next one, you feel the difference between the two shows because Dynamite is Dynamite. We've established what it is. Right. But Rampage is longer matches with some taped promos, and it's it just feels more like a fight. I think it's aptly named, it being Rampage. It just feels so different, even though they're literally like, 10 minutes apart from each other Yeah, as far as like talent goes. So it's fascinating. And I love that Tony has created this new show that feels so different, but is still so AEW. It is. And one of the things about Rampage, what it's done to my life is because I, I do work behind the scenes on Rampage. I'm starting to do like more and more pre-tapes for Rampage. Mm-hmm. But I also... When I'm not doing a pre-tape, we'll try to get on a headset and, and talk to Ricky Starks and and remind uh, the announcers of some of the storylines. I, and I feel kind of odd doing that because I know Excalibur knows. I don't have to remind him of stuff. <laughs> Excalibur knows everything. <laughs> yeah, but he did tell me one time. He said, no, he said, I appreciate you reminding me of stuff. But then, because of my work, when I get home on Thursday, later that afternoon, I get the screener. And so I watch it again through the screener and I help make notes of some of the things that maybe some of the shots that should be cleaned up and some of the things that maybe were said by the announcers that should be pulled out. And so that pretty much encompasses my Thursday. So now on Thursday, instead of laying around with, with my dog, <laughs> I've got to work to get rampage ready. Then when it airs Friday night, I click it on and I walk away from it and Los will say, isn't your show on? Like I've already seen it. I've seen it twice, my dear. Okay. I've seen it live <laughs> and I've seen it taped just so it's on. Now I want to make sure it's on here, but uh, it, it, it's changed the dynamic for all of us, but in a good way. And of course we have gone out and done some live 
rampages, and the most famous, obviously, is with CM Punk. Now, we're going to continue here on our shoot the shit <laughs> version of 2021 as we look back at a great year in AEW, and we'll talk about some of our, our favorite moments and our great matches that we have seen when we continue. We continue on AEW Unrestricted, looking back at 2021 and looking ahead at 2022. Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards. We have talked about this before, but Rampage took a different turn when CM Punk arrived. The promotion took a different turn. And, of course, that led to, well, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, as we mentioned before, and Adam Cole arriving, Bobby Fish arriving. That kind of started in September a different turn for the company. It absolutely did. I mean, we've also had Ruby Soho. Like Ruby Soho. I knew I'd miss one. That's right. I'm sorry, Ruby. I love you. The amount that I think she alone has elevated our women's division, it's one of the benefits of bringing in all these all this new talent. Like, Ruby has so much television experience in front of live crowds. And I know every time I work with her, I become a better ref. Right. I know very recently she had a match with Chris Statlander for the TBS tournament. It was so absolutely great to see someone who has been one of the greats on television wrestling for years and having one of our rising stars in Chris Statlander and seeing them beat the absolute shit out of each other. Yeah. And it was just so great. And seeing all the growth of both the men's and the women's division at AEW and seeing the growth of our individual competitors, like bringing in new people has been so wonderful, not even from just a exciting fan standpoint, but just for what it's done for our roster. It's so fascinating. I think all of us getting to share in that, we ended up going to Arthur Ashe for AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. I think the final count was 20,117. Okay. Like where the crowd is so big, you can't even see all of them in the upper bowl, but you hear all of them and you feel all of them. For me, that was just a great barometer for how far AEW has come that we sold out that venue without a card announced. Right. I think that's a testament to what our talent has done, what Tony has done, what our fans have done for helping supporting the product and promoting it to other people it's man arthur at how was arthur ash for you from the announce desk it was it was absolutely incredible and, and i tell this story before because i went out early during elevation and eddie kingston came out with me and eddie for the first time in his life was absolutely stunned and speechless yes because being a kid from yonkers new york and working hard as you did working hard through the independence this was the crowning jewel for him and i remember afterwards I'm not going to say what shape he was in, but he was overly emotional because he he had that match, if you'll recall, where he took the kendo stick and beat Lance Archer to death. And it, it was for Rampage, but he beat Art, uh, Lance Archer to death with a, with a trash can on his head. Okay. Afterwards, seeing him thank Tony for letting him be a part of this company mm -hmm. and how much it meant to him was, to me, I'll remember that moment backstage more than I'll remember any of the matches we had. I will, because I, I'd never seen Eddie like that. I really hadn't. So, And that's saying a lot, because we opened the show with Kenny and Brian Danielson going 30 minutes, <laughs> which is right. one of the best matches we've had this year. Yeah, and we've had a lot of great matches. Now, I know you're going to go, but let me talk about my buddy Britt Baker here for a second, because she was involved in great matches. The main event of Dynamite that night in Arthur Ashe Stadium. Mm-hmm. 
Obviously, I mentioned earlier at Double or Nothing winning the women's world title. But you have to go back. This is not only Britt Baker. This is obviously Thunder Rosa. The Lights Out match they had was one of the most memorable matches in any division that we've ever had. It was the first Lights Out match we had in the women's division and our first main event in uh, women's main event in history. And the two ladies put their lives on the line in this one. And I think they came away with it with more found respect from everybody. But also, I think they helped elevate the women's division. I think they'll go and they'll go through a table or they'll go head first to a ladder. Mm -hmm. And they'll do what it takes for a great, great match. That match, to me, of all the matches we had, is one of the most memorable ones, I think. That was sort of, I don't want to say turning point because I think that might be a wrong way to do it because we've we've been consistently growing this whole time. But... That was the first time the women main evented Dynamite, which I think from a promotional standpoint, we were more excited about the women's lights out match than it was the main event, which is saying quite a lot because both are firsts for the company. As much as Britt Baker and I don't get along, I'm I'm not one to not notice her contributions to AEW and her growth as a competitor. But right. the women main evented the first episode of Rampage. Her and Red Velvet had an incredible match. Yes. Going on and main eventing at Arthur Ashe, which I got to actually ref. I haven't refed one of Britt's matches in a long time, but... That's because of the conspiracy. That, okay, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's not true. It's not true. No, but anyway, but, right. but for me, it wasn't something that was really promoted at all of like, oh my God, look at this. There's only women in the ring. But the fact that there were only women in the ring, it was me and Ruby and Britt. Right. It's not that like we were there to check boxes. We were there because of the work that all of us had done and all of the other women in our division had done to grow and seeing the steady growth of our division has been so absolutely wonderful, especially like for me because of the things I care about and the things that speak to me. But I feel like now it's one of those when the women have a crazy match, it's just like, yep, this is normal, which is exactly what we want. We want equality. We want just when we have incredible matches like Ruby and Chris announced, everyone gets real excited when we hear a match with Serena and Sheeta, I remember seeing online when that match got announced, like people were chatting on Twitter about that match more than they were about other matches on the show. And that was just super exciting to see. And I, I'm super repetitive in this episode, but what the talent has done and the growth we've seen and how the fans have responded has just been an absolutely fascinating thing to watch, both as a fan, as an employee of AEW. We have had some fantastic matches so far this year. Now, moving on from... From Brit's matches, which are special to me in my heart. You mentioned Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega. Jungle Boy has been involved in many great matches. Uh, That match against Kenny Omega in uh, June on Dynamite was special. MJF, Sammy Guevara, that crazy match they had was something else. The Arcade Anarchy match. (laughs) I wanted to touch on on that crazy thing because Chris Statlander obviously made her appearance with uh, with the best friends, but... That brings me back to Miro. I, I lose count. Have, have you? How many matches of Miro have you refereed? I've done. I've only done a handful. I want to say like five or six off the top of my head. I did his title match against Lance Archer at Double or Nothing, right? And then him and Brian at at Full Gear. But Miro is a terrifying individual to be in the ring with. Isn't that something? It's fascinating seeing who his character was prior to joining AEW. And then he kind of comes in being this video game guy. And to see the transformation that he's had into the Redeemer. Right. 
and the promos that he's done, those are just so well done. And it's probably some of my favorite packages that we end up having on the show. I agree. Here's the deal with Miro. When, when he first arrived in AEW and he first walked through the tunnel and he had that look about him, mm-hmm. it's like, and now you, you see it every time he walks through, that seriousness look. To me, when he walks through, I'm think, the first thing I think of is, oh, the shit's really on now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody is going to get beat up and he is just so athletically superior to most. It's, it's just amazing to me. What an, a great athlete he is, and what a sweetheart of a guy he is behind the scenes. It's just amazing. I, I think uh, that arcade-anarchy match and where he went after that and how you know he beat up Kip in the dressing room and went his own way was some of the greatest, greatest stuff ever. We can't uh, really go any further without touching on what Darby has, has meant to us and oh. at one time was the TNT champion and... It was very, very special to see him win that title and what he's done now with Sting. And we do have tremendous young talent that has been grown by AEW. And that is so essential to have your own homegrown talent because that is the hallmark of a great promotion. And Darby is one of those. I want to ask you, Tony, do you have off the top of your head a favorite match from this last year? Oh, yeah, it's Britt and Thunder Rosa in that, uh, oh, that lights-out match. Yeah. I was just so proud of both of them. And I say that because I, I've known Thunder Rosa longer than I've known most in, uh, in the women's division. I knew Thunder Rosa back in 2016 when I did, a, uh, I did an autograph signing at the Warriors of Wrestling in Staten Island. She and uh, Holly Dead were there, Twisted Sisters. And I, I met her at that time and remained very close to her as far as staying in touch with her. So I've known her, and she's very close to my heart, and obviously Britt is, and I was so proud of both of them. It was an amazing night. So that's my favorite match of 2021. And there's a lot of them after that. Obviously, Kenny and and Brian Danielson was great. I liked the first CM Punk match that he had with Darby Allin. I thought it was wonderful. So there's been a lot of great matches. And let me say this. Adam Cole has brought a lot to us. Mm-hmm. The music is wonderful. The entrance is great. The kid can work. I do like his character, so I, I like what he brings too. But yeah, it's the Thunder Rosa match with uh, Britt Baker, my favorite match. What about you? I think for me, it's hard because there's the my favorites from the perspective of someone who's the referee for the match, and then there's the perspective of someone who's the fan watching the match. Right. And I think my favorite match to watch this year was the Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks at all out in the cage match it's sensational and one of the things like for those that don't know the the live recording of the entrance that mikey ruckus did where they're they're rapping they bring in the guest rapper from mexico i can picture it in my head they come out in those gorgeous headdresses and there's the dancers in the background with the full lucha masks and i remember even watching the rehearsal and getting goosebumps and going oh this this entrance is gonna be real good right and then seeing the full entrance and it was even better But I listen to that track and I get goosebumps because of how crazy the entrance was, how crazy the match was. And I mean, all of us, when we saw the cage and saw Phoenix, we just said, oh, God, he's going to do something crazy (laughs) because that's just what Ray Phoenix does. Yeah. But the fact that something as simple as 
a song that I listen to can evoke this emotion of how great something was and how memorable something was. Yeah. I mean, the Lucha Bros have been fantastic Chad champs ever since that match. It's probably my favorite match. Obviously, I love the the Lights Out match. There's so many, and I, I think we could do a podcast just on talking about the individual matches of 2021. Yeah. We'd be doing a disservice if we made it through this whole podcast without mentioning that tag match from All Out. Yeah. I know you're like me. Uh, I, I know we're in different locales. We have different jobs during a match, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that you are just like me in that there's a moment during a great match that you realize you're in the midst of a great match. Mm-hmm. It's just all of a sudden I'm doing commentary and I'm thinking, holy shit, this is a freaking great match. There's that moment for me, and I don't know if that's that way for you. We've had so many great ones. And and by the way, as we wrap up, our great ones are going to move over to uh, TBS January 5th. That's right. We've got a big way we're starting 2022, January 5th, TBS. We have a new TBS championship. The tournament's been going so so well and the matches that have come out of that have been great and i'm excited to see who's going to be our first tbs champion also rampage of course 10 o'clock eastern on tnt and starting in uh in january we've already announced it it's not going to be every week but it's not going to be every month i think it's going to be maybe four times a year i think quarterly yeah quarterly battle for the belts battle the belts that first one's going to be in charlotte we got some great venues we're going to be going to uh, like Charlotte, we'll be coming to New Orleans. The TBS era starts in New Jersey in January. Well, we got some other towns uh, that we'll be going to. Raleigh, North Carolina for the first time. We look forward to going to Raleigh and, and some great cities. So, uh, And back to Chicago very early, too, in Cleveland. So we got some great towns. But don't forget that we've got something going on every day of the week, right? Every day. Every day. We got Elevation Monday. We got Dark Tuesday. We got Dynamite Wednesday. We got this podcast on Thursday. And Friday, we got Rampage. Soon, we'll have Saturday and Sunday for you, I guess. Who knows? Who knows? It's We're taking over. We're taking over, man. Yes. It's so absolutely just crazy to see how much we've grown as a company, just even in this year, in the three and a, two and a half years we've been around. I love how much we've grown right. together as friends through this podcast and through working together on TV. And yeah, absolutely. it's one of my absolute favorite things I've cherished as part of my ref career is being able to work with you, Tony. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way, Aubrey. From day one, we hit it off and we did love you, buddy. I really do. I love you too. Yeah. So uh, listen to our and follow our podcast free every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast, the video episodes on YouTube, just search AW unrestricted. And as we go into 2022 on TBS, we hope to bring you more of the excitement. And we do need to talk to you as we move forward about our uh, our AEW video games. Yeah. Because I know you are a very, very big part of that. And uh, so we, we need to talk about that as well. But you are the greatest referee in the world. Oh, thank you. I still like Bryce and Paul. Bryce is good. And Rick and, and Mike and all, all <laughs> you guys. But you know what I love about Bryce? What? And, of course, if, unless, unless you have the video – of this, you can't see it, but when when it, both men are down, and he goes, Whoa, and he jumps up in the air with his hands. He does this little, like, hop, two, skip thing. Yeah, hop, skip. <laughs> I'm backstage. I said, do the one-two for me. So what do you mean? I said, do go one for it. But I, I digress. I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> be sure to check out the video, and you can see me doing that stupid thing. Just search uh, AEW Unrestricted. I'm Aubrey Edwards. 
This is Tony Schiavone. We have so much love for each other. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn it up, up. Bring the house down. Got that big space pumping. Make them bounce now. Blows it like they